Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome, welcome to week three of our legacy series. Hey, listen, I know what you're thinking. How did I get in these jeans? I know, I know. And um, no, I, um, I had a surgery that was scheduled that people keep going, oh my God, what happened? I had this surgery that was scheduled to repair a part of my shoulder that I hurt in the military. And so I just happened to schedule it at a bad time. Two weeks after we, we had um, our child, Shiloh Addy, who's wonderful and mama's wonderful for all those asking for updates. And um, so I figured it was either change diapers or have surgery. So, you know, obviously I'm smart. Um, no, but we are. We are so glad to be back with you again this week, week three of our Legacy Series. And our whole Legacy Series is built around the idea of we don't get to live forever, but we want to live our life in such a way that what we do here does live on when we go. And so as we've discovered and we've looked through and said, okay, what are ways that we can leave a legacy? How is God calling us to leave a legacy? We had a great Mother's Day and talked about the tremendous impact that mothers have on our legacy, the tremendous impact that mothers have on each and every one of us. And as I begin to look and go, okay, God, what are you showing us about legacy? If I want to leave a legacy, what are my next steps to do that? And I believe that God's got a great word for us this morning, going to give us some clear direction on how to do that. Would you bow your heads with me, and then we'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for every single person here. Thank you, God, for another week to come together, another week to worship you, another week to build your church, Jesus. We're so grateful that you sent us here. We're so grateful for every single person here, for this city, for this community. God, we pray just a blessing over every single person that was involved in the shooting in Santa Fe, God. We just want to, as, as a congregation, stand with them, God, and pray over them. And we just ask for comfort and peace to be on those families, God, on the hearts and minds of every single person there. We pray that you would be lifted high through this, that your glory would be shown, Jesus, and that it would be all about you at the end of the day. We just ask that good would come out of this. Thank you, God, that we get to worship here in a school. We pray a hedge of protection over this school, God. We just pray for the officers here and the teachers here. And we want this school to know that we bless them and we stand with them. Bless this Sunday, God. Let it be the greatest Sunday ever. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, in 1974, there was a man in a small Louisiana town that was driving home from work. He was, his, his, for all practical purposes, his life was falling apart. His marriage was falling apart. He had seven children and had reached a place in his marriage where the marriage was on the rocks. They were separated, going to get divorced. He was embroiled in, in alcoholism and caught up in this battle that he could not shake. And the worse his marriage got, the worse his alcoholism got. Driving home from work one day, this man had been raised in church his whole life. He had gone, like most good southern Louisiana boys, had been a Catholic and gone to Mass every single day, but he had never encountered a relationship with Jesus. Driving home from work, he prayed, God, if you will save my marriage, if you will save my family, if you will save me from this battle with alcoholism and addiction, God, I will do anything that you ask me to do. As he was driving home, he passed the a little church, and, and he said, you know, I feel like maybe I should pull in there and talk to someone. So he pulled in there and in the parking lot again prayed, God, if you can just do something in me, if you can just use me, if you can just change me, if you can just save my family, God, I will do anything you ask me to do. He went into the church and 
met a pastor there, and the pastor told him about Jesus and shared the good news of, of the gospel with him and talked to him about what a personal relationship with Jesus looked like. He gave his life to the Lord and then drove home and immediately told his wife, listen, you've got to come with me. I've, I've found the fix for our marriage. I found the fix for my addictions. I found the fix for all the, the issues that we have. I found the fix. You've got to come with me. So his wife said, okay, giving the marriage one last chance that I'll go with you and drove with him to this church where he introduced her to the pastor. She got saved and their marriage began to turn around. They, they had seven children. Their seven children began to worship the Lord. Three of the seven children became pastors, and, and all of them began to raise godly children and godly. And as I was looking over this, reading this story, thinking of how one person's decision, how one person's legacy can make such an impact, this man, his three, three of his children, pastors, one of his son-in-laws went on to build the largest church in that area. His daughter and son-in-law pastor a church of over 9,000 people there grandchildren serving the Lord. This morning, one of his grandchildren is leading worship at Hope City in downtown Houston, the fastest growing church in the history of America. And the other one is standing before you today. My grandfather in 1974, yes, praise God, thank you, for, for, for a decision that he made in 1974 that would have an impact on every single person, not only in this room, but in our lives. In, in the lives of those that my cousin Catherine is leading at Hope City, in the lives of those that my father and my mother are pastoring the church in Louisiana, and those that every single person that our families have touched come from a decision that he made saying, God, if you will use me, if you will rescue me, if you will save me, I'll give you everything I have. And I begin to look back and think, how many of us come from a story like that, that we can point to and go, God, you've done something amazing in my family, and that's why I'm here. And I begin to realize that we weren't the first people to ever encounter this. This is actually a very common thing. And Hebrews 11, what we're going to talk about today, is going to show us how we can begin to leave this legacy. Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commanded as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he commended the whole, the world, condemned the whole world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later revive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. I love that. And so from this one man, 
from this one man, and he is good as dead. He goes, listen, from this one person who for all practical purposes is, is dead. He's, he is just a vapor like any of us. But because of his decisions in faith, we begin to see what God did in his ancestors, as many as the sands on the seashore. And what I begin to realize is that it is impossible to leave a legacy without this thing called faith. This thing called faith. And what is it? Many of us, maybe, maybe you go, faith seems like, is it your faith? Is it your Christian faith? Is it your faith in God? Is it your faith in, in, in what, what God has you here to do? What is this thing that we call faith? And how have those that come before us? He says at the beginning that those who have come before us, this is why we still talk about them. Because of the faith that they had. And I think every one of us would hope that we would live a life that when we pass on, that people would still be talking about the faith that we had about what we did, about maybe decisions we made. My grandfather, who's no longer here, that I can look back and go, a decision he made in 1974 is the reason that Valley Rise Church exists. It's the reason that my cousin is close to the Lord. It's the reason that, the, that there's pastors, and it's the reason for life change because of a decision that he made. And I don't know about you, but my hope is that when I'm dead and gone, that my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren can go because of a decision that my grandfather made, my great-grandfather made, in faith, now our lives are different. Our legacy is different. Number one, what is faith? Faith is confidence. Faith is confidence. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the message, I love what it says. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. This act of faith, he's going, listen, this again, this thing called faith is what set apart everyone that we look about, that, that we look back to, that we talk about, that we reference. That we, this thing called faith is what set them apart. And what is it? Faith is confidence. What is it confidence in? Is it confidence in, in maybe who God is? Because like it said, there, there, is a, there is definitely an invisible trait that we cannot say, hey, this is God. Okay, God is right here. And so it demands that we have some level of faith, some level of going, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I believe that faith is more than just having a faith in a God that you can't see. I believe having faith is having the confidence that God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of you. That you're not just here for no reason. That you don't just exist to take up a space. That you're not just here because you're reproducing the next generation. But that God put a purpose and a plan inside of each and every one of you. And the faith that we have to live, that we go, okay, God, I trust that you have a plan for me. I don't understand it, God. You ever feel like that? Maybe you feel like Gramps driving down the road going, God, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. I don't know how I could save my marriage. I don't know how I could save myself. I don't know how, God, I'm going to do anything. But I trust that if you are real, God, and if you love me, that you have a plan. And that somehow in blind luck or in your leading, I can stumble into it. Faith is confidence that God has a plan for you. Faith is confidence. Let me ask you a question. What are you hoping for? Faith is the confidence of what we hope for. What is it that you're hoping for? I think when we look at where our hopes are set, we can look at who our hopes are set in. And let me explain that to you. If, if I hope for security, maybe, maybe my hope is in finances. If I hope for security, maybe it's in a relationship. If I hope for security or, or maybe I hope to not be alone, maybe I hope to be comfortable, then I can look and go, where is my hope placed in to find these things? 
And so many of you, like, like, like I did in high school, maybe you felt alone. And so what do you do? You get a relationship. You get a girlfriend. You get a boyfriend. And you begin to not feel alone temporarily. And my hope becomes, I don't know if, if you were one of those people that ever had a relationship that you very quickly realized was unhealthy because your hope was in them. As soon as they were gone, you felt uncomfortable. As soon as they were gone, you felt insecure. As soon as they were gone, you felt unloved. As soon as they were gone, and it began to be, what is my hope set in? But I think if we can answer the question, where is my hope set? Then we can answer the question of who our hope is set in. And I believe that when we set our hope in Jesus, that we begin to see the plan that he has for our life unfold before our very eyes. Number two, faith. It takes faith to please God. This is a tricky, this is a very tricky statement because I want you to know that God is pleased with you and loves you exactly the way that you are. Now, he loves you too much to ever leave you there, but he cares about you. He loves you. I grew up in a way where I thought that I had to do something to make God happy with me. I had to perform a certain way for God to be pleased with me. I had to, you know, maybe if I just checked the boxes and if I was good enough and if I, if I read my Bible enough and if I didn't get in trouble and if I didn't get spanked or if I listened to my teachers, that like, then I could lay my head on the pillow at night and go, okay, God, you are pleased with me. And it wasn't until I had the revelation of who Jesus really was that I realized God is pleased with me because as a Christian, I am in Jesus. He is only capable of seeing me the way that he sees Jesus. And so once I am saved and I am in the blood of Jesus, he looks at me and he sees Jesus and he can't be displeased with Jesus. So God is pleased with you just the way that you are when you are in Christ. Okay. However, what does it mean by the faith to please God? What does it mean that it takes faith? I believe that just like, how many of you have children? Most of you, a lot of, a lot of you have children. That it takes some element of your children knowing that you love them, okay, is fulfilling in your relationship. I don't know if you've ever had your son come up to you like mine does at times and he goes, do you love me? And I go, yes, Eli, I love you. And he goes, well, like, why? And then you go like, well, I mean, I don't know, because like, you're, you're, like, because you're a part of me and like, you know, you're awesome and you, you, I just love you, you know, I just love you. And he goes, well, what does that mean? Do you ever have that? Well, what does that mean? And you're like, listen, I don't know. You tell me, okay? I just love you. I don't, you answer the question. Sometimes your kids ask really good questions that you don't have a really good answer for. And, and there's a level of fulfillment when he comes to me and he goes, Dad, I know that you love me. Dad, I know that you're proud of me. Every night before I go to bed, and I tell you guys this a lot, I, I, no matter what happened at the day, during the day, no matter how many spankings everybody got or how much people got punished or what, what the craziness in the house was, I sit down on the edge of the bed and I take each of my children by the face and I look at them and I go, listen to me. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're going to change the world. You're awesome. I'm your biggest fan. If I could pick any boy in the world to be my boy, it would be you every single day. I love you. And then like the other night, I forgot to say I believe in you, and I finish, and I go, okay, good night. And he goes, do you believe in me? I'm like, well, if you don't know it now, I don't know. If that... But there's an element of fulfillment when I realize that he knows how much I love him. And I remember my dad telling me when I was a boy, he'd go, Christian, what, do you know how much I love you? Yes, dad, I know you love me, okay? No, do you know how much I really love you? Yes, dad, I know what you really love me. And he'd say the same thing to me all the time. He'd go, you don't, but one day you will have a boy of your own, and then you will know how much I really love you. And I tell Eli the same thing. I'll go, you don't understand how much I really love you. 
but one day you'll have a boy of your own and then you will know how much I really love you. I believe in order for God to have a full, fulfilling relationship where we are pleasing to his heart that he's going, I need you to know that I have a plan for you. I need you to trust that I have a plan for you. I need your faith to be in the fact that I'm not letting you fail, that I'm not letting you fall, that while it seems dark, that while maybe you feel like you're wandering, that while maybe it seems like you don't know what's going on or everything's in chaos, that you can trust your heavenly father because I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I created you with a destiny and a design that is specific to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm like really preaching and you guys are like barely clapping. So I don't know. This thing's getting hot. Like I'm about to rip it off. Like it takes this faith to please God. This faith that you have a heart that God loves you, that you know he loves you, that he's got a plan for you. Faith to please God. Pleasing God begins with acknowledging God. It begins with acknowledging God. Proverbs 3, 6 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, and some, some um, translations say, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. It begins with acknowledging God. Maybe you're here and you've never had that point in your relationship with God where you've acknowledged that God even exists, where you acknowledge that, okay, God, you have a hand in this thing called life. And I believe that today, in order for us to, to have a fulfilling relationship with a God that desperately loves you, that his desire is for us to know that he exists, for us to acknowledge him, and then for us to trust that he's got a purpose and a plan for us. Number three, it takes faith to leave a legacy. It takes faith to leave a legacy. Hebrews eleven eleven, And by faith... Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. I love this. Read this and listen to this again. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, there was something that she was unable to do. What is it in your life that maybe you go, God, I can't even do this. God, I don't know how I could leave a legacy because I can't even do blank. God, I'm still struggling with blank. God, I don't know how to get past Blank, what is it that you are unable to do who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She was enabled in her faith. It was in her faith in God who had promised her something that she was enabled to accomplish the thing that her heart really desired. Do you understand what I just said? That was really good. It was, in, it was by her faith in God. It wasn't anything that she was capable of. It was simply by her, her sheer belief in God that she was enabled to do something that she couldn't do on her own because of where her faith was. God can enable you to do things that are supernaturally past what you could ever do because of where your faith is set, because of where your hope is set, and because of where your heart is set. Faith, it takes faith to build a legacy. We see Sarah, who that was past this age. I can't imagine. Most of you can't imagine. Anyone here over 60? Okay, that's good. I like that. No one's over 60. It's a great, I love a young church. And, and, and I look at my parents, who are now, my, my dad's almost 60. He'll be 60 this year. My mom's 55. It would be weird if my mom got pregnant. That would be, it would be like, you're a, little, you're a little old for that, you know? The, to, to fathom what God was able to do in a person who was 99 years old, that God was able to go, listen, because, and, and listen, it wasn't the womb that was a problem, although we think it is. 
You look at someone who's 99 and you go, God, how could they ever have kids? That, how would you want to have kids with someone who's 99? I mean, that's, whew, there's a lot in, that goes into that. But I can't imagine. And God goes, listen, there's something that outlasts genetics. There's something that outlasts her womb. There's something that outlasts him. There's something that outlasts his ability to produce. There's something that outlasts all of that. And it's not Viagra or Cialis. It is the promise of God in our lives. And she, yeah, sorry. Should have given you more time to laugh at the Viagra Cialis before. But it is the promise that God has delivered. And what has happened here is God tells us something very keen. He goes, listen, there are things that I have promised you that I cannot break my word. And so they will come to pass not because you deserve it, not because you're faithful, Sarah, not because you're young enough or because you obeyed or because you did, but because I'm incapable of breaking my promise. And when I have promised you something, I need you to have faith that it's going to come to fulfillment. Let me ask you this today. What has God promised you? that you're waiting on? What area of your legacy has God promised you that you go, God, I, I, I feel like you promised me this and I'm just waiting. I don't know if it's going to happen, God. I don't know how it could happen, God. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make, in, in the natural, I don't see how it could happen. How are you going to do this, God? And I would encourage you that in these moments of doubt, that whatever it is, whatever area of your life that you're believing God for, whatever area of your spirit that you're going, God, I need you to help me with this, whatever addiction, whatever struggle, whatever relationship, whatever it is that you could go, God, how is this going to happen? I don't understand that you would hold fast to the promise that God gives you because there is one thing that can never be broken, and it is the word of God. And when he promises you, you hold on to that promise for dear life. And you put your faith in that promise. And you put your hope in that promise. And you put every ounce of weight that you have in the promise that God has given you. It is why it is so, so, so important for us to be able to clearly hear what God is speaking to us. I believe that, that a part of faith is, isn't us going, okay, God, I'm trusting you for something. Although I believe that that is an element of it. I believe that there is a very large part of faith that is going, God, I want to be so in tune with your heart that I can hear what you're saying to me. Sometimes, let me play this out for you, and, and I think a lot of times this is how it gets translated. Sometimes someone will go, well, you know, go pray for this person, and if you have enough faith, they'll be healed. Okay, If you have the faith to do this, it'll happen. And there's, there's a lot of reasons why I believe people believe that. Well, I'll save that for a whole other message. But if you have the faith, this could happen. And and so they do it. You ever stepped out and tried that and maybe it didn't happen. Maybe you prayed for someone and, and you go, God, like I really thought I had the faith that God was going to touch them and it just didn't happen. God, how? How did this not happen? You know, you said, if I have the faith of a mustard seed, I can move mountains. Why can I not pray for this person and they'd be healed? Or why can I not pray for this situation and it happened? Or why can I not? What is it, God? Is it maybe do I not have enough faith? I'll never forget, I was at Oral Roberts University. That's where I went to school at. And I'm, I'm in our systematic theology class. There had been a kid on campus who had had a longboarding accident. And he was in um, ICU. And they, they were saying he was going to die. It, was, it wasn't looking good. He was from a big church in town. And so the whole church was there, man, 24 hours a day, doing prayer vigils, doing all kind of stuff, praying for this kid, hoping that he would get better, hoping. We got a discussion about it in our theology class. And, and the teacher said, do you feel like if you have faith, that you can be healed. And, and one kid said, I just know if, if there was enough faith, that kid would be healed. 
And I'll never forget the moment that this kid's best friend was sitting in the back of our class. And she stood up with tears streaming down her face. And she said, you can't tell me that we don't have enough faith to see my best friend healed. You can't tell me that with thousands of people praying around the clock that we don't have enough faith to see him healed. You can't tell me that. And what I realized in that moment, that was we serve a God that we don't always understand, but I do want to be able to hear him and hear what's on his heart. And I don't know what God's plans always are, but maybe God's plan wasn't to heal him, but to take him home and give him a healing in heaven. And I truly believe that there's a part of faith that is us being able to tune into the heart of God and go, God, what do you want to do? Faith doesn't work backwards. It's not me going, okay, God, I'm going to hope enough and then I'll change your mind. It's God, what's on your mind? What do you want to do? And then I want to be your hands and feet to go and do it. So when I walk in a room, God, if you want to heal someone, speak that to me because that's who I want to pray for. Maybe it's not everybody you want to heal. Maybe it's one person you want to heal. But I want to be able to hear when that's your heart. What is it that God is asking for us? I believe that to leave a legacy, God is asking for us to tune into his heart so carefully. For us to be able to hear what he has for us. To understand what's on his heart. That, that it wouldn't be us just going, God, this is what I want. I want a legacy where I leave money to my kids and everybody's rich and it's awesome and a great name and while all those things are awesome. God, I want to know what's on your heart. What legacy do you want to leave, God, through me? What are you calling me to step out in faith and believe you for, God? What element of this is me, God, and what element of it is you? Because I don't want anything that's not of you. I believe that in order for us to have this faith that builds a legacy, we've got to be able to hear the voice of God with all our heart. We've got to be able to tune in, pay attention to what's on his heart and on his mind so that we can live out his legacy in the world around us. It was 54 years ago that a a boy sat on the, the front steps of a house on 72nd and Canal in the barrio of Houston. And, and I'll never forget this story, sitting on the front steps and, and being relayed to me that his mom was in the background yelling at his dad. His dad was in the background yelling at his mom, thinking they're going to kill each other Christmas morning. And I'll never forget my dad telling me, I sat on the steps of our front porch and I, I, I said, God, I don't know what I've got to do, but I'm going to give my children something better than what I had. I don't know what has to happen, God but I'm going to leave something better to my children than what I had. Can, can you throw that picture up there? This is that house. And as I drove by it the other day and jumped out of there with Eli, I stood in front of those very same steps and thought, how much of a difference can one man make? How much of a legacy can one person leave? How much of a change can one person make? when their faith is in the right place, when their heart is in the right place. And listen, this isn't just my story. This is the potential for each and every one of you's story. That it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't matter what your family life was like or is like. It doesn't matter where you're right now or where you have been. That God has a purpose and a plan for you. That he has a goal and a dream for you. That you have more in you than you could ever imagine. And just like this little boy sitting on a step 45 years later could fast forward. And now the city he left to escape his son is coming back to plant a church in. God has a dream for you. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, thank you so much. Thank you for your dreams, God, that are bigger than our dreams. Your heart that's bigger than our heart. 
And God, all you ask for us to do is is put our faith in you, to put our trust in you, to tune our ear in, God, to what you have for us, to tune our ear into what you want to say to us. God, we don't know it all, but we know that you do. We don't understand it all, but we know that you do. Jesus, we are so thankful that you chose to use us to enact the greatest rescue plan ever written. That you chose us, God. That we are your hands and your feet. That we are the people you send out. That we are the people that are the rescuers. Thank you, God, for entrusting us with a mission so important. We love you, Jesus. There is no one like you. Today we choose to hear your heart, to hear your voice, to tune into what your desire is for us, God. And ultimately leave a legacy that you want us to leave. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, there's some of you here today that maybe as I'm talking to you, a Christian, I've never had the first part of that that you talked about. The relationship with God, the acknowledging God, the beginning that with God, I've never had that. But today I want to start that. Today I want to take that step of faith and trust in a God that maybe I don't understand, but that I know has a plan and a purpose for me. With every head bowed and every eye closed between you and Jesus, if that's you and you say, today, Christian, I want to start that journey, would you raise your hand for me? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now listen, we're going to pray this prayer, and you can say it under your breath. You can whisper it. You can say it in your heart. As long as you mean it, it's between you and God. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for me to save me from my sins, to save me from the penalty that I deserve. And you took it on the cross. I believe you rose again to give me new life, to give me freedom. And today, I choose you. I choose to begin a legacy in you that by faith I put my heart in your hands that you would take me and use me like only you can in Jesus precious name amen and amen hey listen what a great listen I just encourage each and every one of you read over Hebrews because I think every one of us have a by faith story I think every one of us have the potential in 50 years that they would look and go, by faith, a group of people moved to Tomball, Texas, Spring, Texas, Line, Texas, to start a church. And I'll tell you, on the other side of, I, I was a part of my parents planning a church, and I remember these days, and I remember there being no one there, and I remember there being, I remember my dad, the first Sunday, they didn't have a mic that reached the end of the stage, and so he stood back here the whole time. The front of the stage was up there, and looked horrible and they sat in these ugly orange chairs and people were going what are you doing and why would you do this and and today almost 10,000 people will gather at four campuses in Lafayette, Louisiana and and so I am so encouraged in these early days when I go by we're writing our by faith story you're writing your by faith story you're writing your kids legacy your grandkids legacy 
And one day when we're out of this building and we have a beautiful church somewhere that our children are getting married in and your children are getting married in, and your by faith story will be a part of that. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.